the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash S P O T R A C gets you 40% off your yearly subscription. That's $2.99 a month for an incredible amount of content, including everything happening with the coronavirus effect on sports. We've got cancellations, we've got postponements, we've got questionable start dates in, t- in terms of the MLB, which is supposed to start today. Not not exactly the opening day we are all hoping for, but the uh, the great people at The Athletic across the board are, are keeping the content coming, and it's your one-stop sp- source for everything sports going, not going forward. When this thing all comes back together, it's going to be a sports explosion. <laughs> That's all I keep thinking of. I mean, if there's a if there's a way for the NBA to salvage this season, and if if baseball can get half a season in, uh, July and August and September could just be the greatest sports uh, quarter of a year that we've ever had. So there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel here. I think if we all uh, just kind of take a step back and let this thing weed itself out, and uh, sports is will be back. We know sports will be back. We just don't know when at this point. Stick to theathletic.com slash spot track for 40% off. We're going to bring Scott Allen in here. We're going to talk about some of the impact that coronavirus has had, uh, financially speaking, because of these postponements and cancellations. A little bit of NFL mixed in here. And then we're going to talk some NBA to finish this thing off because while there isn't a season, uh, similar to the NFL, there is a draft in a couple of months here. And it's not exactly popping off the screen. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how the impact of the, the lack of March Madness and a not a great crop of draft prospects in the NBA could be very interesting for these front offices in the next couple of months. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Let's, uh, let's start here. I guess the biggest news, and it goes without saying, is the, can- is the postponement of the Olympics. Um, and biggest because it affects the most athletes, the most people. Uh, obviously, you've got, you've got a, a city in Tokyo that, man... Uh, if you've watched any documentaries on the Olympics ever, you understand just how much work and money it goes into to put these things together. And the fact that it's not going to happen now for another year, I, I guess let's start with Tokyo. Um, I, I, I imagine we're on the same page that this had to happen. If you're Tokyo, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, if you're Tokyo right now, what's going on, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, are you just trying to preserve are you are you are you taking this time to build more? I mean, truly, I, I mean, what, what are you doing if you're Tokyo right now? It, great question. I mean, you have buildings that had been built specifically for these Olympics that now are going to be they're going to sit stagnant essentially for another year where they were expecting revenue to start coming in into these venues starting in June. So. Um, but with the quarantine situation, right. I, I don't know if you can necessarily go out and build things because they don't want people to be interacting with each other. So, uh, I don't, I don't know what you can do. I mean, maybe once, I don't know Tokyo's situation and Japan's situation as far as, the virus, yeah. um, the, the virus itself, but maybe in a couple months they can open up those venues for something else to help offset a little bit. But I mean, right now, those venues are just going to have to sit there without being used. Yeah. So as far as I can read here, Japan really never locked down. Uh, They sort of limped into this thing similar to what happened with the United States, unfortunately. And 
Uh, it kind of caught them by surprise. So I imagine that they're not in any kind of shape right now to to take any steps forward. So what, what we're looking at and what they're looking at are just significant losses. I mean, significant losses. There's a couple of numbers here uh, from Forbes at, at how much it costs to run an Olympics in terms of new builds and renovations and, you know, reorganizations, just the, just the, the transit, right? <laughs> Trying to get people from one place to another in an efficient manner. And a lot of people, uh, it's just a nightmare for people. I, man, it, uh, this is what Forbes is saying. Forbes is saying that the, the added cost for this postponement to the Olympics is $2.7 billion dollars. Wow, I, I just, I, I feel like I'm like I, I just turned forty. I feel like I'm sitting on, on the porch on the rocker with a nice tea, just yelling at the kids. But mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why we have to put so much money into this. I, I don't. Why? Yeah, why should any event cost this much money in this day and age when technology exists, when athletes can train themselves? You know what I'm talking about, like. The, the no, pop I do. and circumstance, like, like, how about we turn to CGI for some of this pop and circumstance? You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, I, we just live in such a, a modernized world where television, everything's a television show and the Olympics are a television show. I mean, do you know anybody yeah, in your life that has actually gone to an Olympics? I don't know a single person. Uh, nope. Not nope, a single I, person. I and I've been, I've been surrounded by sports people my entire life. Now I know it happens. I know it draws a ton of people. And certainly for the athletes, it's an incredible event. But why can't we just stop that? Why can't we just make this a TV show? Well, well, that and I mean, we've seen documentaries on they build these buildings yeah. and then after and the done. Olympics leave there, they sit so there. She's a disaster and, zone right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you pump all this money in and then for a TV turn show around and for a TV you build show, all this and infrastructure for, and actually destroy your city for a TV show. Yeah. And we, and not only with the Olympics, we see this with the, the FIFA world cup. I mean, in Brazil, they built all those, uh, the, those soccer venues that weren't even completed when the, uh, world cup started and, and they were falling apart before they even got started. So, I mean, and they displaced yeah. a lot of people to do it. It did. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that. This is not a, uh, you, you know, one city's problem. It's every city's problem. <laughs> it's every city's problem. Right. Yeah, we talked Sochi. Forbes has some numbers here. The Sochi Winter Olympics cost $22 billion. Wow. I mean, what are we doing here? What yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> That's astronomical. We just got to... That is. Uh, I mean, that, that kind of money cannot be allocated to these kind of events. They just can't. I, I, I can't imagine that the, that the viewers and, and the gate tickets and all of that even come close to being worth that price. They just can't. They can't. No, I, I understand I the draw, so. and I understand how, how much live sports draws. Look, nobody – there's never been a time when live sports has been more apparently necessary to these networks. I get it. And I get it. NBC just kind of sitting back – and letting whatever the IOC figures out do because they need this. They're going to need this next year when this Olympics comes back. This is going to be one of their biggest draws, of course. But that's what it is. It's a TV show. The billion dollars of ads that NBC had sold for this thing this July, it's going to be there next year. It's going to be there. They're going to, they're going to pay it back or put it on some sort of you know, lay, layoff system right now 
right? And it'll come back next year. You'd be hard-pressed for somebody to say no to the Olympics in 2021 versus 2020. But there's this now year that Japan has to sit on this. NBC is going to have to fill some, you know, six weeks of, uh, of sports coverage if it exists. If it exists, you know, it might be esports coverage, <laughs> right? By the way, oh, did you see the numbers for for the NASCAR? Did you see it? Yeah, I did. That's pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. It is pretty impressive because I'm not sure they even marketed that much. It kind of made the social nope. media rounds. Nope. I, yeah, I found it off of my my news feed and <laughs> under the sports section randomly on Sunday morning, and then I sent it to you and to check this out, it's out. So yeah, I don't think they did any marketing, but a, a buddy of mine, who's a huge NASCAR, he, he was pretty ecstatic that, uh, they're going to continue it on, on Fox there. So they are right. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's what he said. Uh, that's what I saw. So it looks like hopefully Sunday we're going to see another Boy, talk about the yin and the yang conversation here, right? <laughs> from, from a, from a well-produced esports broadcast that probably cost, I don't know, maybe a million dollars, you know? Right. But they, they certainly yeah. had All advertising right. built into it. Major sponsorship. And, and if you notice, Scott, watching that, I don't mean to get off topic here, but if you noticed guys like Jimmy Johnson and Clint Boyer who were being fed live interviews from their homes, from their rigs, they didn't even have sponsors on those rigs. But those individuals can go out and put some sponsors on these, e- <laughs> on these, these simulators. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson had his Twitter handle. That's it. I mean, that's it. That's his marketing right there. Yeah. You don't think his old his old her old pals at Lowe's are calling for a Lowe's.com bumper sticker on oh, that thing? Absolutely. I'm just saying, I think there's even more potential now that we know this thing at least for now is working. Uh so that there you go. There's your two dichotomies right there. We've got twenty-two billion dollars going into an Olympics event. Uh, versus whatever it costs to, to produce well to produce a very good broadcast for an esports race, um, this is the life. This is the world right now. And if if we're comparing apples to apples here, something's got to break with these Olympics. It just has to. It, it it can't be this much of an impact to have to postpone a sporting event. And it's I, I'm I'm worried for how or what it's going to do to Japan right now well, because they they were budgeting for X amount of revenue to to. Uh, look, that's money they've paid. They've built the infrastructures. That stuff's at least 95% done leading up to July here. So, y- you know, it's like it's like building your uh, your brick-and-mortar store but not being able to open it until next July. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not going to mm-hmm. make any money. You're just flat-out not going to make any money. So yeah, I, 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 I'm worried about the impact to Japan, of course, and all the people there who are being affected by not only this but the virus. And it just it makes me want to think – bigger about the olympics events because uh, this kind of thing is you can say it's fluky and you can say that this is a you know a disaster that we couldn't have accounted for but let's be let's be smarter than that this stuff has to be part of the equation now for all these sports i mean this is a learning experience for everybody of course from residentials up to you know big time corporations everybody's going to learn from this and and be able to account for it and, and build it into languages and legal documents and see it. All this stuff has to get better, clearly. But the Olympics are the extreme when it comes to sports, from a financial situation, from a, an athlete's situation, from a, an international travel situation. Like, all these things culminate to the Olympic events more than any other sport. Um, 
I don't say I'm not I don't want the, I'm not saying this should be the death of the Olympics. The events themselves are phenomenal, and I, it draws me in every two years, winter or summer. I just think, uh, from a financial standpoint, we got to be smarter about this. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's great to see the the backstories of the different uh, cities and right. countries that these the Olympics go to. But I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there because again, Scott, that's a did, TV did, show. That's a documentary you're watching. It, right. <laughs> And, and it's great. I mean, they do such great reporting on that. But, I mean, is it going to get to a point where they need to have one neutral location that is built specifically for Winter Olympics, specifically for the Summer Olympics, and it's just housed there every year? And then the, eventually the offset for the financial uh, of building the buildings and everything, it's there. And then they can just pump money into you know, uh, updates and upgrades. I, obviously, they like going to the different cities, yep. but I'm just thinking long term financially with I mean, we're talking what, uh, like twelve point six billion dollars here of uh, revenue uh, of money that has been pumped into just this Olympics alone. So, I, I've thought about this myself because it's it's a conversation happening right now in Major League Baseball, too. I don't know if you're aware of that. But there's a because of this postponement, which is obviously going to carry into at least June at this point. Um, you know, there's discussion of can we get the season in? Can there be a postseason? And if so, is it going to have to carry into November and December? Which of course yeah. would mean neutral site, dome only venue. Yeah, warm weather area. Yeah. Um, mm. So this is a topic of conversation for a lot of sporting events right now. I keep getting myself back to the notion that the that the the venue is just for the show, you know. And mm -hmm. if you think about it, it's not like the opening ceremonies are parading through the cities, right? There's you're not you're not having ceremonies at at landmarks in these cities, right? The France right. the France World Cup wasn't wasn't done at the Eiffel Tower. It was done in a stadium that was built for the Olympics. So, so couldn't you have the best of both worlds? Couldn't the IOC just create a summer Olympics campus somewhere in some location that the athletes went to every four years, and that's where they actually competed, but you also designated a different country every four years as the quote-unquote remote host, and then that right. remote country could put on a show. Right, because right, like Brazil those, could just those, have shows all over their country on television and on the internet, which is where yep. we're all watching anyway. Just it's your show. You you give us the best version of Brazil you can give us. Show us your country. Show us your people. Show us your culture, and we'll we'll obviously integrate that, produce it within the Olympic Games. But the actual competition can happen at this singular sporting sporting complex that we own that we make all the money right. off of how can the ioc yeah, say no to that saying. yeah i yeah, mean exactly. you can that's still have this whole effect it's just we don't need to build 20 billion dollars in one country every four years when the infrastructure could be put in place somewhere and then it could just be a cultural thing within the actual mm -hmm. country in fact it'd be better it'd be better than just dancing in a stadium right i mean how many times can you recreate that wheel anyway Let's let's show some some culture. Let's let's show the landmarks. Let's show the country. Um, yeah, most of those countries, like I said, most of those countries already have soccer stadiums or, or some kind of large venue like that where you could have yeah. 
people people that live there or if you wanted to go for the opening ceremonies and and partake in that you could go to there and it like you said it's on tv it's a tv show parades music concerts all the stuff that comes with arts and entertainment it could all you wouldn't be limited to a stadium and you know fireworks and fire and dancing and and light shows branch out show us your whole country to me it's a better version of the opening and closing ceremonies now what what you wouldn't have are the athletes you wouldn't right. have the athletes. Is it really that much of a loss? All they're doing is standing there with their flags anyway, right? They could do that remote. And some of could be like March some, Madness, some where we look in to see where you know you, you know when Northwestern gets picked as the number six seed, and we go live to their gymnasium and they're freaking out. It could be the exact same thing, okay? And some of those athletes have to miss the opening because they have competitions the next day. So I mean, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's also hit and miss as it is. I mean, you know, I get it. Brazil's not going to have LeBron James there. That's that stinks. That does stink. Um, but to me, it's just from a financial standpoint, from a show standpoint, and from a protection standpoint, from a, from a true protection standpoint. If if part of this has to be how can we take care of our athletes more, this is it. This is it. We have one location that we know we can control and maintain and improve and all that stuff, and it just becomes. A destination. It's the Summer Olympics complex. Uh, mm-hmm. I get yep. it. It's been done. It hasn't been done this way ever. So changing well, something col- this big is difficult. College, it's it's small, but College World Series has Omaha. that neutral location so in does Omaha. The, so does the Final Four. <laughs> so the right. fi- I think the Final Four rotates maybe four venues. Is that still correct, or is it always Indianapolis? I probably uh, should know I- that. <laughs> me too. I, I, I'm not sure off the top of my head, I, but Scott, I, I think this is going, uh, this is going there with all sports. I think it's well, going there it, it, and I'll bring up Super Bowls. Yeah. I'll bring up the world cup again. I mean, I don't know how much you've read about the Cotter world cup, but I mean, they're building specific outdoor air conditioning, like pumping air conditioning to outdoor decks and patios <laughs> to keep fans and, and, uh, players cool enough in the hot summer nighttime daytime yeah. you name it i mean they're pumping massive money into just trying to cool the outdoor air there so i can only imagine the amount of money that that's getting pumped into okay final numbers here this forbes report has this uh, obviously i can't believe it until you know it's more concrete but to this point two months away or three months away from what was supposed to be the Olympic games. And now it's going to be 15 months away. Japan has spent $28 billion Mm. on the Tokyo summer Olympics. I can't do it. Wow. I can't get on board with that guys. (laughs) I can't do it. (laughs) Right. Um, No, I just think we got to bend before we break here. That's all. It's a great event and I'm going to watch whenever they show it. But I, uh, that, uh, yeah, that's enough on that. That's enough. All right, let's go to yeah. another <laughs> another major financial loss here, and it's one we all thought was coming. It sounds like the actual NFL draft, Scott, is going to happen, much to the chagrin of the GMs and the front offices who are saying, can we just pump the brakes on this so that we can have you know in-person interviews with these guys and get some psychological tests, which, man, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people really push back on do, do they really need that? Do they really need to meet these guys three times? Uh, I, th- I, sh- I sure as heck think they do. 
mean, this is a yeah, league. I, well, let me finish. This is a league yeah. that can't get this kind of stuff right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if they could, then maybe I could see them saying, all right, you know, we can get by without this. But whatever they have crazy, and there's crazy every year, whether it's arrests, domestic violence. I, I mean, there's some, some form of that mixed into every season. Now, I think 2019 might have been maybe their, their most tempered season. As a whole, there's something every year that they've got to deal with. And nine times out of ten, it doesn't go well. <laughs> okay? They just don't have a track record for handling that kind of extracurricular stuff well at all. So you're going to say to these GMs, nah, you don't need the psycho- psycho- psychological reports. All right? Just look, just look at the tape from the last three years. You'll, you'll know enough to know what you need with these guys. Go, go get any linebacker you want, right? Uh, that's another bad decision. <laughs> Okay, let's be smarter about this. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that, that the GMs started to implement those interviews. There's a reason. It's because you wanted to make sure that character was involved to some degree. I understand that you're not going to get the Boy Scouts in the NFL. Just not going to happen, right? One, square peg, round hole. But the fact that they're doing the due diligence enough to a degree and they've got some level of yes or no with some of these characters, that shouldn't go away. We shouldn't lose that just because we're in a unique situation. Um, I don't know. I Do I think the draft needs yeah. to be postponed? I don't know. I don't know because I don't know the time frame of all this. Are we going to be back in business June 1st? Possibly. It's possible. But this draft is in a month. Why can't uh, the NHL draft has already been postponed. It was set for June 26th. The NBA draft, which, which we're talking about in a second, it's probably highly up in the air right now, don't you think? And the reason being, yeah. Scott, is the NHL draft, and we, I'm Buffalo-based, you're, you're a, a, a Buffalo transplant, um, they have the prospects combine in Buffalo every year. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big deal, not just for Buffalo, for the NHL. I mean, these right. are kids that a lot of – some of them are international. Some of them were buried in Canadian leagues. Some of them were, you know, obviously in college – and you need to get these kids all together and understand who is who and, and who's progressed. And, and these, I mean, these are 16, 17-year-old kids. It's not like you're looking at 22-year-olds on tape, which is what these NFL GMs are able to do, which it's, it's a little different. But you can understand why the NHL is saying, no, no there's not a chance we're going to be ready by June to be able to do our due diligence with these kids. Um, I just think every sport probably will get there. And I understand the GMs in the NFL saying, give us a – Give us a fighting chance on some of these because, look, not every not every every team is going to be able to just pluck nine guys off of LSU, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we know how good the LSU kids are, and we know how good some of the Clemson and Alabama kids are, but that's not what this draft is about. That's not what NFL teams are comprised of. So I, I understand they're wanting to be some sort of postponement, and I. I uh, I guess I'll take your thoughts, but I don't understand why they couldn't give themselves an extra month. It's not like the other sports are going to be there. And I understand that's why they're doing this, by the way. They want to own the month of April, just like they crushed March. They owned it. Well, but they, yeah. they can have May too, is my point. <laughs> right. But they want to own April right now. They want to own May and June when everything comes back and, you know, with mini camps, OTAs, all that it's stuff. Not happening. Obviously, it's not obviously happening. with baseball and all that, it's, it's going to, NFL is going to be put on the back burner once a lot of this comes on because they won't have actual games. I, I think 
the whole psychological process, I get it. It's like any other job that wants to bring somebody in for a second, a third, sometimes a fourth interview because they want to get to know the person. They want to see how they interact. I get that. But in times like this, I mean, there's FaceTime, there's Skype, there's Google Meets, there's Zoom. There's so many things where I think that they could utilize uh, a face-to-face conversation through that avenue. I could see where the medical situation would be an issue because no one's supposed to be going to the doctors or hospitals and getting all of that and, and with, you know, sharing those records. I could see that being the issue. But as far as, you know, getting to talk to these uh, players, I'm sure they have these, some of these kids on speed dial and they can FaceTime them or, or, or Skype them in an instant. Um, so I, I, I get that they want to put, push it back. I, I, from my standpoint, I think it's probably, uh, from a fan's perspective. I mean, we like seeing this stuff happen. It generates news, but I could see from the front office and the coaching standpoint why they would want to shift it back just to give them a little bit time because we've had three, four weeks here of we don't know what's going on. We don't know where things are projecting. Everything is changing by the hour. So I completely understand that from their standpoint that they want to have as much time as possible to get a leg up on the other 31 teams. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And let's talk about Vegas because Vegas is – yeah, likely losing this draft. This thing's going to be, you know, a a Zoom, Skype, <laughs> FaceTime event. Let's be fair here. Uh, you're going to have prospects all over the country, you know, quarantined, getting selected by GMs who are quarantined themselves. Um, Bill Shea wrote a great piece for the Athletic, and uh, he's also a great follow on Twitter for those of you who, who haven't followed Bill yet. He uh, he keeps up with the with the financial side of things really well and uh, him and I have interacted quite a bit on there so uh, shout out to him for this great piece on the NFL draft and really what the what the price to be paid for Vegas is because of this COVID-19 situation I mean if you're looking at Nashville which feels like an eternity ago but it was last year's draft here's the numbers he's got from Nashville's draft about 600,000 people attended the draft last year in Nashville and they spent about $133 million in the city of Nashville, which directed to about $224 million of economic activity. I mean, that's big-time bucks, and we're talking Nashville. Right. Let's, let's put that into Vegas, okay, <laughs> which is just a whole different animal. It's just a whole different mm. animal. I mean, it you've is. got so much more there already and so much more – Ability to create revenue because of what they are, obviously. Um, man, the fact that Vegas is shut down right now, this is what Bill's saying. 320,000 workers are basically laid off right now or probably uh, more damagingly fired so that they can apply for unemployment. But a 90-day layoff, which is what he's projecting here, could cost Vegas $40 billion. That's how much money goes in and out of that place in a, mm. a three-month period. So you take something like the draft out. I mean, I, I mean if, 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 if Nashville made $224 million, can we triple that for Vegas? I mean, it's easily a billion-dollar yeah. investment. Yeah, easily. Because of the, the people who are already there versus the people who would go to Vegas. 
Not to mention there's a brand new football team. So the merchandise would be off the, just off the charts. And, and on top of it, you have the betting. I mean, you know, every Correct. pick is going to be bet on and every hat that's going to be put on or every trade. I mean, the amount of betting that would go on with that kind of venue in real time. I mean, this was, this outweigh. was going to be an unveiling of all of those things combined, not just the Vegas Raiders, but gambling and sports and how gambling can be intertwined with the NFL. I mean, you can understand the NFL being a little pissed off here, right? Mm. I mean, this yeah, was going to be quite a party and quite a show. Um, they're, they're obviously, you know, they're treading water right now. They're going to make it happen. They just want to kind of salvage what they can out of their TV show now, which that's all it's going to be, the TV but, show. But from, their, but from their standpoint, wouldn't you want to drag your feet a little bit to try to get it to be – I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in a month or – two months but if like the gms and the coaches want to push it back a month in a way wouldn't you as the nfl want to push it back a month and the fact that maybe there's a a glimmer of hope that it can get on tv and you can have people there like i said i don't know where things are going to be in the next month or two i'm sure they're talking to all those smart people right now and they're basically saying a month's not going to do you anything it's probably my guess Um, yeah well you mentioned the betting uh I mean, you're not going to have Jason Lockenfora and Adam Schefter sitting in that room. Nope. So one thing we're probably not going to have this year, Scott, are tipped picks. We're not, we have no idea what the Chargers are going to do at number six, and we won't know until the Chargers get on Skype and make a pick. This could be the greatest year to bet on the draft ever. I mean, if, if they don't make it part of the TV show, with their DraftKings or FanDuel, uh, I believe those two are sp- – is it DraftKings who's intertwined with the NFL? One of them is. One of them is an actual presenting partner of the NFL. Make it part of the TV show. Let us all bet on every pick because we will yeah. not have a clue. We will not have a clue unless the teams tip the picks on Twitter. <laughs> you know, uh, I just don't think we're going to have that, you know, Twitter's nine picks ahead of the actual television show. That That's probably not going to happen this year, which means the betting can really can – really come to the forefront possibly i mean you have the i mean with the texting and messaging and everything that goes on i'm sure there may be some you think so yeah i mean let's be honest just because he's not in the room with (laughs) said team i gotta give lock and four more credit i guess huh (laughs) <laughs> so some some of those teams are in their war room aren't even you know there they're in their own facility sometimes so uh, I I think you have to give some credit to the fact that they they have the relationships with certain people in the room and they're they're probably floating a message oh we're yeah. you know we're leaning this direction w- Woge speak. we're leading the yeah Woge speak. the Woge speak yeah exactly we're considering we're highly considering the opportunity to, to maybe select this quarterback at this yeah I get it. Uh, yeah. we'll see. I'm just looking for a silver lining in all this, but man, a lot of money lost from the Olympics, a lot of money lost from the, in Vegas for this draft. Um, it's just going to be the theme of this spring, unfortunately. All right, let's switch gears to some actual sports, which is not actual sports, but at least it's something about sports that could happen eventually. Uh, you, you're big in the NBA. You've been our NBA guru for spot Trek for quite some time. Now I started to look into, the next iteration of NBA prospects because I, I had an epiphany in my head that I had absolutely no idea who the number one overall pick was going to be. And I still don't think I know. I read this ESPN piece. Uh, 
they're they're basically breaking down the big board and, and who could go where and all that good stuff. I mean, you've looked at the piece. Are, are you are you confident with anybody? It it seems like they're no. all they're all <laughs> pros and cons people. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I don't know who the outright favorite would be, and you know that's the downfall of not having the NCAA tournament is a lot of teams, a lot of fans look at, look at some of the players that go through there and get a really good look at high, high stakes games to see how some of these players perform. The, this draft specifically needed a March madness more than ever because these names in the top 10 of this list are from colleges that, don't don't exactly you know jump off the page. Iowa State, USC. For, in terms of basketball, that's a down school. Auburn, Georgia, Memphis. Uh, I mean, you know, yes, there's a Kentucky mixed in there. Dayton, right? I mean, these guys needed two, three rounds in the March Madness tournament to get their names really out there on our national landscape, and it's just not going to happen. And you can have all the NBA draft shows you want on these major networks when the number three pick becomes a kid from Auburn. There's going to be a lot of people looking at each other like, who the hell is this guy? Right? And I'm worried right. that that translates into the next season. And these kids have a tougher time making it to the next level than maybe other crops would have. James Wiseman left school, what, four months ago, right? I mean, he got into that mess with Memphis. Yep. And, uh, and and Penny and is he is he a top prospect? They've got him. They've got him compared to Carl Anthony Towns here. I feel like if he was going to be Carl Anthony Towns, we'd, we'd know a lot more about James Wiseman right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I just yeah, I worry about this. Obviously, Lamella Ball is going to be a name. He sounds like another version of Lonzo Ball, whereas he's a hell of a passer. He can't shoot for beans right now. Now, Lonzo's figuring it out four years later, starting to get a jump shot and starting to understand his game a little more. But is that what somebody's going to get in LaMelo Ball? <laughs> You're going to take him number two overall like, like his brother? It sounds like it's going to happen. It sounds like it's going to happen. So, man, it's not a good time yeah. for the NBA right now. It is not a good time. No, and on top of it, I mean, like we've said multiple times in this we don't know where things are going to go. So, no. I mean, they, they haven't officially postponed their draft, but if their draft ends up still happening, their draft could be happening while postseason or whatever transpires with the actual season. If it is able to continue, yeah. you could be having this potentially at the same time Sounds as like it's got. games uh, or if, do they push it back if there is an off season? Do they push it back to September or something like that? So, I mean, obviously we know it's a fluid situation, but since they haven't come out and said that they've postponed this, I mean, we just have to assume that they're still right now having the draft in at the end of June. <laughs> I mean, think about this. Let's say, uh, let's say golden state gets LaMelo ball, right? Mm -hmm. And it happens What's the draft? June 24th-ish, right? Yeah, around there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say it happens. Golden State with the number two overall pick takes LaMelo Ball the next, to be their next point guard. <laughs> and then July 20th, the NBA comes back and has a summer tournament 
that is the rest of the regular season mixed into the the postseason, right? They've got some sort of double elimination tournament. You know what I mean? In, in other words, the yep. current rosters have to come back and play. Every right. point guard on Golden State now knows they've been replaced. They've been replaced. Mm-hmm. And now they have to go and play for Golden State for two months, right? <laughs> That's super awkward. That's super awkward. So, somebody who takes James Wiseman. I mean, let's just say it's a team that's got a, you know, let's say it's Oklahoma City and he's going to replace Steven Adams. That's really awkward for Steven Adams, right? Yeah, you're well, done next year, man. Um, well, well, on the flip side, I mean, if you, dra- if you draft these players and then what, what are the rules going to be put in place for, can, can these no. players go into facilities and, and start learning and can they practice? Yeah. I mean, obviously, just it's questions that are going to come up and I'm sure they've already come up in, in front offices, but you know, do these players, are they able to yeah. go and learn from when would Lamelo actually be able to join the warriors? It's a really good question. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's really fascinating how this all could work because I, there's a lot of smart people that really think the NBA will, will make it work whenever it happens, whenever it has to happen, because what they are not afraid to do, it sounds like, is postpone 2021 season. There's, yeah. a, there's enough people saying they don't want to start in October anyway on a regular mm-hmm. basis. So if this, if the 2020 season has to push into September, October-ish, that, they're fine with that. And then they'll give the guys two months off and we'll start this thing on Christmas Day or something like that. Um, I, I, I just think they're, more than any other sport, they can make it work. Now, baseball is such a long season, there's a chance that they can make something work as well. But I, the reason I want to bring this up specifically is because of everything you just laid out. There's supposed to be a draft in three months. There's supposed to be a free agent league year start on July 1st, which we know how crazy that can be. And then maybe in the middle of July, they're going to they're gonna pick up this current season and, and run it to the finish line. I mean, the, the timing of all that is so fascinating for all the reasons we just laid out. Um, I can't wait to see how they make this all happen because it would be it would be extremely awkward to add players via free agency and draft and then try to go backwards and finish the 2020 season. But the alternative is what free agency is November 1st. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, November 1st or. October 1st or whenever it would be. I mean, it, if everything gets shifted back, it's probably going to have a, a condensed off season for sure, just because of the situation yeah. of everything. Um, baseball, their draft is in the middle of the season too, isn't it? June like, something. Wow. Yeah. And those players, what happens with them? They just can't play until the following season. How's that? Well, here's work? the thing with baseball. It's not like guys get drafted and run up to the Boston Red Sox and, 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 yeah. You know, grab their jersey from Fenway. It takes about it takes two and a half to three years on average for these guys to even become relevant and get up yeah. to the minor league system. So um, you can certainly and, and that draft is a television show. I mean, these there's so many players selected that there's no there's no city citywide. You know, this is all an MLB network kind of show. So they've already got all that stuff all figured out. I expect that'll just happen. Um yeah, it's early June. I don't think there's any worry about getting that done because it's all done over the phone and all, all over television anyway. And like I said, those guys aren't going to make an impact on any baseball rosters right now anyway. Uh, but certainly baseball is going to be affected. We can have another show uh, laying that out. 
and uh, there'll be. Well, I brought it up just for the fact that it, the draft was during the season when it was playing. I, I get that those yeah. players immediate impacts like some of the in the NBA, your top 10 are usually, you know, they're they're playing every other sport. Well, I guess I guess hockey's more in the baseball sense of where you generally don't get kids that are drafted and sent right to the big the big show. So to some degree, but like for the reasons I mentioned earlier earlier in the show, uh, it's so hard to draft a hockey player because <laughs> these kids are these. I mean, it's, it's similar to baseball. These kids are 16 and 17 years old a lot of times. And their backgrounds vary so much that you have to really do your due diligence on it. So similar aspects there. But I do think the baseball draft will happen. It seems like that's going off. Um, Baseball's struggling right now with how they have a season and what they do with their 162 games and their postseason and all that. So we will definitely get to well, that in a future show because once some at least some things are leaked. I, I know we had some Boris discussions yesterday and he's trying to you know swing his big stick and and make some noise with it. We'll try to put some of that together and maybe have somebody on to talk about it a little bit more. But um, there's just too many unknowns with baseball, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, th- the last thing I'll say is uh, Brian Windhorst on his podcast, he, sure. he was suggesting that the NBA and the Players Union, they're, they're going to have to go into some kind of uh, collective bargaining with this whole schedule situation anyways. And he what he suggested is perhaps that a team, uh, perhaps the union uh, or, or the the teams themselves try to throw in certain caveats that aren't already in there a la one and dones as a give and take situation. So there, there might be some, you know, opportunities or because they have to go into some kind of negotiation with, are we moving the season and schedule and that stuff? We may see some things come up sooner than later because of, the the give and take there so i'll leave off with that um yes and baseball is obviously having these discussions as well and i did read something this morning that basically alluded to the fact that these players regardless of what happens it sounds like they're going to get a full year of service time and that means a lot to young baseball players i mean if you're talking like a guy like chris bryant who's already been screwed Mm -hmm. screwed in the system um it's a big deal to those guys so uh keep we'll keep an eye on that like i said we'll put together a more thoughtful conversation on baseball because there's really a lot to unpack there with the longer season and how this uh, team control situation all breaks down. We will definitely get to that. I want to, I want to finish on this because it kind of wraps two ribbons on uh, on one gift here in terms of what we talked about today. The, the element we haven't talked about with the NBA in the season is the Olympics. <laughs> uh, we had an, we have an, mm-hmm. an NBA filled Olympic team ready to go in, in July. That's obviously not going to happen. Now they're going to go next year. And we don't know if it's going to be July of 2021 for these Olympics. They might want to do this May, right, or, or April, because the longer they wait, the more money they lose. That's just a fact right now. So if that's the case and it coincides with the NBA postseason or, or the leading up to the NBA postseason, which it very well might, should the NBA right now basically say, all right, we're out. We can't, we can't rely on any kind of rescheduling right here. And, and oh, by the way, we've been thinking about doing this anyway. You have to think Adam Silver's been considering pulling the players out of this because mm-hmm. load management kind of lead, leads the decade in buzzwords in the NBA, and this is just completely the opposite of that. Uh, what, what do you think? Is this going to be the end of the NBA in, in the Olympics? I mean, it, it's a, a great reason to pull out. 
Yeah, uh, for that's sure. Right. That's right. You, you wouldn't have to be the bad guys. You could just have yeah. common sense lead the day. I, I, I was listening to uh, Will Bond and Kornheiser on PTI. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And they made a, they made an interesting suggestion. Same same situation. It, it's a great time to say we're, we're out. But they were even going the next step and saying using retired NBA players or if you have to go to college athletes or I mean, there, there's a way to bring players in. But obviously, NBA players, fans would go to Olympic Games to watch those or we watch them on TV because they're NBA players. Um, and I think it's a great reason if they want to get out. Now's the time to to say that because you have that you have that reason. Yeah, I think there's a better than not chance that it happens because of the unknowns for next year. And more than ever, the, the leagues have to protect their players more than ever. Mm. I mean, they're going to yeah. go through CBA negotiations and renegotiations and amendments with all this. Uh, like I said, they just weren't prepared and, and you, know, you can't blame them too much. But that's going to be what, what we get out of this is, a, is an education on how to handle this kind of thing going forward or at least handle it better. And part of it's going to be, you know, we got to keep keep take care of our own. And I think that will come to the NBA not letting their players reach out too far without their <laughs> care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Let, let's keep these guys yep. in house as much as possible so that we can have some maneuverability as necessary for these kind of events. All right. That was good stuff. Our thanks to The Athletic, where we got almost all of this content from, by the way. So. Um, you can read plenty more of that at theathletic.com. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, for 40% off going forward. My thanks to Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to another edition of the SpotTrack podcast. <laughs>